Some of you are a little surprised. I don't use object lessons too often, and, um, but I know object lessons can be very helpful. And as I was studying through our text for this week, I had a picture that came back to my mind again and again, and maybe it will be helpful for some of you as we look into God's word today. Would you stop with me one more time and we'll pray and ask for God's clear involvement? Precious Father, what we are not, would you make us because of our time spent in your word? What we know not, would you reveal to us because of your clear written word that we have, that we can carry with us and we have it on page and the blessing of that? because of the wonderful opportunity for us to sit under Bible teaching and also for the ministry of the Holy Spirit. God, we would again ask that this time would be clearly focused on you, that you would allow us to be different because of our time spent around your word together today. And I pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I wanna give two stories today that hopefully will point us to the main idea. Many of you, if you've been a part of this series going through Ephesians, you have seen a change where when we started, we were covering quite a chunk of verses at a time, sometimes up to 15 verses at a time back in Ephesians chapter one. And it feels like we've almost come to such a crawl now covering um, last week or two weeks ago a half a verse. And this week we'll cover a full verse. So we're going in the right direction, I guess. But as I will oftentimes wonder if I'm doing a good job of communicating what God's word says. I thought to myself, if, if, if we cannot get, if I've got one verse and there's one main point really, if we cannot understand the one main point, then I'm just wasting about a half an hour up here. When you look at the title of the sermon, Ready for Anything, we will find that word readiness right in our text today. And I want to suggest to you that as I have challenged us with this idea of observing, um, I asked you to take a look in the songs that we were singing for different references to the battle that we are in. I think that sometimes it's easy to focus on one aspect of the gospel more than another. And today I want for us to be very true to God's word and and hopefully get exactly what the Apostle Paul was trying to tell us. Having said that, I had the experience in the past couple years of assisting somebody with a project around the church here. Um, I'm thankful for so many people that do so much around here and we are blessed to have a church family where we are um, way better than the average. The old statistic is 90% of the work is done by 10% of the people and that is not the case here at Calvary. So whenever I see somebody around here doing something, I love to pitch in when I have opportunity. There was somebody that was doing a job up in the balcony, you folks up there, Um, There were some very heavy speakers that were up there in the balcony, and this is a a couple years ago now. And the gentleman was taking those down, and we were doing some work getting ready for the remodel, and he needed some help. And as I went up there, these speakers, the, the, the weight of them was unknown. That's an important factor in this story. Another important factor in the story was as I walked down, I saw how we were getting up to the ceiling up there because we did not have a traditional ladder necessarily. There was a traditional six-foot ladder that was stacked on top of a table that was up there, so it looked 
Um, well, to the skeptics that are, that are afraid of ladders a little bit, it looked a little bit intimidating. And, but I was happy to help. And as I was helping this gentleman and he almost had the speakers ready to come down, I was going to receive one speaker at a time. They're old speakers, so we did not know how much they weighed. And there was a question that I was asked and I gave one answer and very soon I gave a very different answer. So as the hardware was being undone and they were being loosened, he was working on doing that. I was going to bear the weight of these while I was standing on a ladder on top of a table on top of the balcony. (laughs) And the question came, are you ready? Just like that. Well, for some of us guys, the pride kicks in and it's like, well, hey, you know what? Bring it on, you know, we think sometimes. Am I ready? And the, the weight started to come and he hadn't fully disconnected it and the weight was getting to about where I felt I might not be able to handle it without having a very sure footing. And if that thing came down, I feared the consequences. And so I changed my answer after a short while. He said, are you ready? It started to come down. I said, yes. And I said, wait, 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 wait. And I said, hang on, and we had to get a different plan. And I was just getting very nervous that somebody was going to get hurt. I'd hate for him to get hurt. I'd hate for me to get hurt too. But I appreciate the question. Are you ready? Sometimes if you're working with somebody and you're working together on a task, it's good to be confident the other person is ready. Sometimes that might come by way of eye contact, right? You'll make eye contact and then you know you're going to work at the same time. That story ended well. We were able to get the speakers down. He did the bulk of it. I think he figured out how to undo them and bear some of the weight. So now you know my shame as far as not being able to take all of that weight. But I am thankful for the job that could get done. We're going to be learning today about how we will always be able to give the answer with confidence when we are asked, are you ready for the attack from the enemy? We're going to see instruction from the Bible that should allow us to always give the answer, yes. I'm ready for the enemy. More specifically to our text, are you going to be able to stay on your feet while you are in the fight? We've transitioned into this Christian warfare theme and we've seen that multiple times now that we are in a battle. And I told you that sometimes we get a certain picture in our mind when the Bible says something. So when the Bible mentions the word gospel, I guess I should ask you, when the Bible mentions the word gospel, what comes to your mind? I asked that of one of our staff this past week and they automatically said well the good news comes to mind and that's the definition of gospel for some of us we think of the gospel being Jesus Christ crucified and buried and risen and coming again that's a good summary of the gospel we're going to see the word gospel in our text today but I think that sometimes we don't think correctly about how this text is using the word gospel. And I have up here um, some different books that are displayed. And hopefully these will help us to grab a hold of this text. And I have some bookends. When I use the, and I know some of you can't see it from the back, and so my solution for you is, is to scoot forward next Sunday. I should do this every week, right? Until some of you move forward. We have some bookends here, and these bookends represent what some people think of 
when we hear the word gospel. On the first part, you might even say looking into the past, we have the word conversion, the word conversion. So when we think, when a lot of people think of the gospel, they think of conversion. What is the gospel? We read the word gospel. And some folks, their minds just go right to this. Yes, the gospel. Jesus Christ died for my sins. I accepted him as my savior. That is my story. I am converted. This is what some people think of when they think of gospel. So that's one bookend. And then we go throughout our entire life. And on the other end, some people hold on to one specific thought when they hear the word gospel. And it is the word heaven or eternal life. Now, neither one of these are bad, and I I need to be very intentional about telling you I don't want you to think less about your conversion and let the redeemed of the Lord say so and let folks know about it. And I don't want you to think less about heaven. Have you ever noticed how many times the last verse of a song that we sing in church goes right to heaven? Have you ever noticed that? We saw it at least once today. So I don't want you to think less about heaven. And I don't want you to not associate heaven or conversion with the gospel. But I do want to be very intentional about letting you know that the Apostle Paul, when he uses the word gospel today, he's not necessarily talking about conversion. And he's not necessarily talking about heaven. What is the theme that we've been talking about? We've been talking about Christian warfare. And as we think of the battle, as we think of what you and I face, there is no doubt that what Paul wants us to know here is how we can have peace while we are in the battle. Now, when we look at these two bookends, I love them. We need to understand them. We understand that it is only peace with God that can lead to the peace of God. So conversion is the first step. That's the starting point. And if you are one, and your only thoughts when someone uses the word gospel or salvation or even conversion, if your only thoughts when we talk about salvation is a memory from very, very long ago, and just to be transparent, sometimes... Some people are just hoping that someone told them the right thing, maybe had them repeat just the right words in a prayer. And if to you salvation is nothing more than that, if all you hold on to of the gospel is something from 10 years ago or 30 years ago, then you would do well to ask the question, do I genuinely have a relationship with Christ? And I'm not going to, you know, make a big fuss about not having a sinner's prayer. I, I can't get away from that as I study evangelism. I think it's a wonderful thing. But if the only thing that you can ever lay a hold of when you think of salvation in the gospel is a prayer that was prayed a long time ago, you need to get serious about this. You need to understand that that is the first step, but it's a very important step. And I think that we in church circles have done a disservice sometimes when we talk about a, a sinner's prayer and when someone maybe maybe they're ready, maybe they're not, but we give them a confidence that because they repeated some words that they're a child of God and we need to be careful about that. The other bookend here, I won't talk as long on it, but perhaps when you hear the word gospel, you think of the word heaven and this is looking ahead. And just as we need to look back at our conversion on a regular basis, 
We need to look ahead to heaven as well. Heaven needs to be on our minds, but listen, we need to be very, very guarded that we are not so heavenly-minded that we are of no earthly use to our Father and to our Savior. I don't want to diminish your view of the gospel work in these two areas, but Paul is not teaching about that. All right, all that to bring us to our text. If you're not already there, please turn to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6 in our Bibles. If you do not have a Bible with you, please borrow one of the ones from the pew rack in front of you. And if you do not own a Bible, please keep that pew Bible as a gift from us to you. We want anybody that comes to Calvary to have a Bible of their own. So Ephesians chapter 6 is where we'll be at, covering one verse today. Now, I listen to a lot of preaching. I listen to a lot of teaching. And sometimes I will hear something that makes me stop and question. Perhaps I'll want to listen to it again. Or perhaps it's, it's new to me. And I heard a, a pastor say some words that I, I wasn't very familiar with. And it confused me, actually, when it comes to this word gospel. Because here's what this pastor said. And he was being very... Um, Uh, dramatic when he said it he said i have to preach the gospel to myself every day i can remember hearing that and thinking well well i'm sure he's saved so is that what he's talking about that jesus christ died on the cross for his sins is is that what he means by i have to preach the gospel to myself every day or all the time or is he talking about an assurance of where he's going to go when he's going to die what does he mean By that. Look at Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 15, where it says, And as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. Now we understand that the Apostle Paul had spent many, many hours sitting and looking at the uniform of his jailer. He had opportunity, and here he is giving an illustration. Aren't you glad the Apostle Paul uses illustrations when he teaches and stories? He had opportunity to see the boots of his jailer, and so he makes a connection of the boots that his jailer would wear to part of our spiritual armor. It's likely that the boots that he was wearing was a leather boot with some kind of a nail-studded sole. Now, nail-studded sole, we don't, you probably haven't used that word much lately, that phrase of words, have you? We use a different set of words to describe that kind of footwear today, don't we? What do we call a nail-studded sole today, specifically when it comes to sports? We wear what? Cleats, right, athletic cleats, whether it be football and you've got two guys pushing against each other very hard and you're trying to get as much traction as you can so you don't lose your footing whether it be soccer and you're trying to make quick um, moves and go one direction to, to shake the defense possibly, we think of cleats that give maximum footing. And that's, that's the picture that the Apostle Paul gives, gives here. Believers are engaged in war and our secure standing is going to come. We'll be able to stand firm when we are putting on the, don't miss this word, the readiness of the gospel. And I want to suggest today that when Paul talks about this, you can take something of heaven and you can take something of conversion. But when Paul is talking about the spiritual battle, we've already 
if, if th- these are church members, the church at Ephesus, they're already saved and they're already going to heaven. So he's speaking about this middle part here. He's talking about being ready, the readiness of the gospel. And this is what we find between the bookends of conversion and heaven, heaven, a readiness of life that provides constant peace. And I'll just tell you, that will sell today. You have available to you a readiness that can provide a constant peace. This is what the Apostle Paul says, and this is God's plan. Now, do not be mistaken that I am talking about some kind of a prosperity gospel, that I only came to God because of what he can give me in this world. My money problems will go away, and my health problems will go away. The Bible says that nowhere. In fact, we find just to the, just to, to the opposite of that. When we come to Christ, we're going to have all kinds of tribulation. Paul writes about that here. You're going to have tribulation. It's going to come. And he says, here's how you can be ready for that. And this down in the trenches work of God. So what you're in today, all right? I don't know everybody here. I don't know your story. If you've come to Christ, this first step of conversion. If not, let today be the day. We've already told you what the gospel is. Christ crucified, risen, uh, buried, risen, and coming again. And we accept his gift of salvation. You can do that today. We look forward to heaven, but what's in the middle? That's the trenches. And down in the trenches where your life takes place from day to day, we focus on this present power. This is a power of the gospel in your life, and this power is found in the promises of God. So how is this real for us? It's real when you get the results back from the medical test, and it's not the results that you wanted. It's real when you receive the phone call from the family member, maybe some states away, and they've done everything they can to fix their problem, and you're unable to fix their problem, and yet their problem is overtaking their life. Where this becomes real is when the prodigal daughter or the prodigal son has left, and you have no more influence. You have no more ability to make them do what you want them to do. That's where this gets real. And I want to suggest to us, there's a big assignment coming for you if you're a follower of Jesus today. Because we find promises of God that can help us with so many of these things, and I would even dare to say that can help us with all of these things. When we look at the situations that we face, it is so, so difficult. And so let's look at some of these that are up here. God gives us teaching from his word. He gives us promises in the area of comparison. Comparison. Did you know how dangerous comparison can be? Maybe if you've got a big brother or big sister that was so good at so many things and you were compared. Maybe that's something that can be tough. Or maybe there's somebody else who's raising kids about the same age as yours or their grandkids are like yours. This area of comparison can be so, so dangerous 
Comparison will be the enemy of contentedness, and we need to make sure that when we look at what God has for us, we don't fall into letting ourselves compare all the time. Comparison is what the law was built on, not what God's grace was built on. We have this area of usefulness. Usefulness, let's take that down. When we think of usefulness, sometimes people feel like they're not useful anymore. When we think of being useful and you're studying God's word and looking for his promises, I found a promise that I found in the book of Joshua, chapter 14, when it comes to a gentleman named Caleb who was 85 years old. Caleb was used in this way. Let me read it for you. Caleb, son of Jephunneh, spoke. He said, you'll remember what God said to Moses concerning you and me back at Kadesh Barnea. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of God, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land. Remember that? Twelve men went to spy on Canaan. Ten were bad and two were good. He was one of the two good ones. And I brought back an honest and accurate report. My companions who went with me discouraged the people, but I stayed totally with God. That was the day that Moses solemnly promised The land on which your feet have walked will be your inheritance, you and your children's forever. Yes, you have lived totally for God. Now look at me. Caleb said, God has kept me alive as he promised. It is now 45 years since God spoke these words to Moses, years in which Israel wandered in the wilderness. And here I am today, 85 years old. And I am as strong as I was the day Moses sent me out. I'm as strong as ever in battle. So give me this hill country that God promised me. You yourself heard the report that there were great fortress cities. And if God goes with me, I will drive them out just as God said. I can remember hearing an older friend of mine talking to me about he was encouraged when he came across that. And he was thinking to himself, I'm not going to get out of the battle. Retirement from God's work, that's not going to work. And he saw God use that. And by the way, Caleb had fighting ahead of him that he would have to go and do to get that land. We're going to face attacks from the devil. How about in the area of trouble? Anybody face any trouble this past week? I know some of you did. I talked to some of you on the phone that faced some trouble this past week. When we think of trouble in our life, Psalm 37, 23, and 24 says, The steps of good men are directed by the Lord. He delights in each step they take. If they fall, it is not fatal, for the Lord holds him with his hand. You see, brothers and sisters, God has given us promises. And I understand there's a temptation to use the Bible as a reference book. Something comes up, let me go and find, let me Google that and go and find a Bible verse that helps with that. But I want to challenge us to not use the Bible as a reference book per se, but to use the Bible as these promises that make us ready for the battle. Because something might come up in your life and you might not have time to look up your verse that speaks to that. We need to be prepared. How about unrest? unrest in our life anybody have a hard time sleeping last night sometimes things will things will come our way and it feels like we're under attack 
Proverbs 3.24 says, If you lie down, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. Promises from God. When we think of going through life, we think of stressing out. That's an attack that's gonna come from the devil. Are you ready for those stress out times? I know we do everything that we can to build our life in a way where we are comfortable and where we're not going to stress out. But have you ever figured out that you're not in complete control? Somebody else can come right in and mess up your stuff. Somebody can mess with your routine. Somebody can mess with your physical body. And so we need to be ready for stressing out. Let's look at wrongdoing. How about when you're in this world and someone has done you wrong? Do not raise your hands because I'm going to keep my hand down too. But have you ever been done wrong? And when we look at the Bible and we look at David, when David said the hardest part for him, it was not that his enemy did him wrong, but it was his what? It was his friend that did him wrong. How about wrongdoing? How do we respond? Does God give us what we're supposed to do? Proverbs 20, 22 Do not say, I will repay evil. Wait for the Lord, and he will deliver you. How many times could we have been saved from heartache and trouble if we would have have heeded that and somebody did us wrong, and instead of us responding, oh, that's what we do. When we come through these times from the attacks of the devil, what we do is instead of God's promises that he gives us, we take other things like this. For those of you in the back, that says willpower. Willpower. So instead of leaning on the promises that God has given me to get through the attacks of the devil, I can just use willpower. How about that sin that you commit that you've asked God to help you with it? Maybe you've even memorized some Bible verses about it. There's a temptation for us to say, I will shake myself loose. I will have within myself the power to stop this. Let's see what kind of resources I can find to get rid of this. And the individual that instead of going to the promises of the gospel of God, goes to something like their own willpower, is going to be open to attack from the devil. If you remember, we said, it's not that you can just have part of this armor on. If there is any of this armor that is lacking, if you are not ready with these promises that God has given, you are open to attack, but so often we'll put something like that in our place. How about guidance? I can give you verses all day long about guidance in your life. And understand this, oftentimes the enemy of these things is not always something bad. Oftentimes it's something good. You might know somebody who's become a millionaire and these were the steps that they took. And so we might say, you know, I'm gonna give a little less time to the promises of God and instead I'm going to pull myself up by my own bootstraps. You see, I think that so many folks have had success, even some Christians have had some success, that I'm going to do that instead. And what happens is we become vulnerable to the attacks 
of the devil. I said these aren't all bad. God has given us gospel promises for us to hold on to. This one here says family. Family's wonderful. I praise God for good family that loves me and supports me. But if I'm putting that above the promises of God, I'm going to be out of balance. This one here says government. And I don't have time to talk about politics. And all God's people said, amen, don't talk about politics. We just think if we could get everything in our country the way we think it should be as far as politics, then God's going to have some kind of incredible revival. I want to encourage us not to put too much faith in our favorite political leader. When we think of all of these, there is no doubt that God has given us what we need to have success. We must not put anything in place of God's promises. And there are thousands of these promises. There are thousands of these that we understand that God has given, and that's why it has to be right there. Are you ready? I told you I was going to share two stories. The first one was up high on a ladder, and a friend and wonderful servant of God looking at me saying, are you ready? Getting me prepared. The other one is a little bit different. It's when my son was younger, and he was home before school, um, before he went off to school. And I would come home on a regular basis, and for a little season there, when I would come in the house, I couldn't see my son Jack. He was about three or four years old. And I'd walk through the house, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, Jack came pouncing on me. So maybe behind a corner, maybe off of. Some of you are shaking your heads. Maybe you had your kids do this. There was an old movie, The Pink Panther, where uh, Inspector Clouseau's helper did this, right? Remember that? Where he'd jump out and attack? My son would do this for a season. I didn't know when it was coming. I'd suspect maybe around that corner, maybe if I opened up this closet, the attack might be coming. There was a difference between these two trials, these two difficulties. And I can handle a three-year-old. Don't, I mean, I'm, I'm bigger than that. But there was a difference in these two trials. One is, somebody said, are you ready? It's coming. With the other one, how much warning was there? There was none. There was zero warning. The Apostle Paul tells us to put on the readiness of the gospel shoes because the warning is not going to come. Understand that you're not going to get a text message in the morning that's going to be from the devil saying, I'm going to really tempt you to lose your temper today. So you would do well to read some Bible verses about temperance. It's going to come about 2.30 in the afternoon. Be prepared. He doesn't do that. The Apostle Paul gives us no idea like that. The Apostle Paul says, be ready the attack is going to come, and how you are ready is by the promises of the gospel. And so Paul will say, you need to take in these promises. You need to be, swim in the depth of God's word because you're gonna be attacked in the area of loneliness. Some of you would struggle with guilt, guilt that would drive you out of your mind. Some of you would struggle with the idea of you didn't do enough. You let somebody down. 
And as we are camping out on the promises of God, all of God's promises come into us, and this is part of the complete armor. This is how God prepares us for battle. You will not have a warning. All right, what do we do with this? Well, first of all, I'm going to give you that confusing statement that confused me a long time ago when I heard it. Preach the gospel to yourself every day. I'm not telling you just to know that heaven is coming, so tie a knot and hold on. And I'm not telling you just to look back at when you prayed a prayer asking God to save you. Preach the gospel promises to yourself every day. And understand that God did not make a mistake when he left you in this world. And we're all different. We're all different. And that's why God's word is so beautiful. How can we preach the gospel to ourselves every day? Number one, know the gospel promises. Figure it out. Get creative. Read God's word. Go through the Bible in a year. Go through um, different versions of the Bible. Listen to God's word. Get in this as much as you can, but know the promises because that is this piece of armor that we're putting on. And then closely tied to it is claim the gospel promises. Claim the gospel promises. Here's what I'm saying. When you're claiming gospel promises, that's stuff that's in the Bible. You can get bold with this. Some people don't like to be bold. When you have God's word and it's right there in black and white and it applies to you, what you can do is you can repeat God's promises back to himself. Yes, know them for yourself. That's number one, know the gospel promises, but then claim them. Maybe some of you are like me in that you've gone through the study of Moses when Moses talked back to God. That's what it sounded like to me. Speaking to God and he's speaking with such authority and it almost seems like he's, he's puffed up a little bit when he's speaking to God. As Moses talks to God, the reason that he has so much confidence and so much boldness is because all Moses is doing is repeating back to God the promises that God had already given. And you do not have to take these gospel promises and approach the throne of grace with timidity, uh, being timid. We don't. When we have these gospel promises, we go to God with his word and we claim them. And you stand bold. This is putting on the gospel shoes. Allow God to change you. And what this does is it gives you confidence. You won't walk through worried that somebody's gonna jump out from behind some corner. Is the devil going to attack? Shake your head yes or no. Yes, he is. And putting on the gospel shoes means that we are claiming these promises. Yes, we've taken care of conversion. And we know our our eternity is secure. But right in the middle, when we deal with stressing out, we deal with contentment in this world, we deal with guilt. All of these things, God has given us scripture and promises to deal with all of these. And I will just say that many of these kind of get tied up in a few general verses When I have opportunity to pray with and speak with someone I might not have on the tip of my brain the verse that they needed for that, but oftentimes I will say, I will claim this promise with them. I know if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, he has said that his grace is 
sufficient for you. And there's so much beauty in some of these general verses that God will never allow us to be tempted in so much power that we are not able to defeat that temptation and he makes a way of escape for us. Preach the gospel to yourself daily. So are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready today? How do you get ready? You have to be in here. The promises of God's word, this is how we are ready. And when the devil sees that, he's not going to not attack. He's still going to attack. But as we walk through this time in our world, we can say, we can say that that living water, remember when Jesus Christ promised that he would give a woman living water? He wasn't just talking about this and just talking about this. He was talking about in her life. And so if you hear that promise, living water for my life, what does that mean? This is what God is talking about. He has left us with the wonderful armor so that we can have victory and so that we can have joy. And as the Apostle Paul writes here, this is what will give us peace. Let's bow for prayer. Father, how beautiful it is that we can celebrate the work on the cross, that we can look and see what you did because of your love, what your son did with willingly giving his life for us. And then as you've left us in this world, there's no doubt in my mind that one of the best ways that we can preach this gospel message to others that don't know Christ is by putting on the gospel shoes by going through the tribulations of this world and dealing, them, dealing with them in a way that reflects you. I thank you that we are not alone. How beautiful that you've given us your church. How beautiful that you've given us the Holy Spirit. With heads bowed and eyes closed, no one looking around, I'm gonna ask Anna to play through just a stanza on the piano. This is a chance for you to pray. Perhaps today you're not sure of this area of conversion. You're not sure you're a follower of Jesus Christ. You've never asked him to save you. Even while the piano plays, you can ask God to make you his child and forgive you of your sins because of what Christ did on the cross. Perhaps God's spoken to you about something else today, something that you're struggling with and you need to get into some of those promises. Take a moment to pray right now.